Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of High Character. No intro song today. Not really the, the time or place for that. Um, UMass just got swept in a very bad fashion by BU. Game one, seven to two. Game two, five to one. And nothing's really going right for the Minutemen now. We're on a five-game losing streak. My name is Cameron. I am joined by my good buddy, Evan. Evan, I know how you're feeling, but got to say it for the people. I, I'm trying to put on a brave face here. It's it's pretty tough. I'm uh, I'm ironically enough wearing the I went to the, the Friday game of Mullins and they were doing a uh, like a Veterans Day camo hat giveaway. And it's pretty funny that I'm wearing that because just like most people wearing camo, they were kind of invisible. And I feel like UMass hockey was a bit invisible this weekend. I'm I'm not I'm not doing too great, you know. Like I'm trying my best to not have UMass hockey completely affect my state of mind anymore. And now is probably as good of a time as any to start that trend because if UMass was controlling my state of mind, I would be in a dark place right now. So I'd say we just we just got to get into this and talk talk all the dirty details of this past really really tough weekend. Yeah, and we're going to uh, kind of breeze through the games a little bit quicker than we normally do. Not too much good to highlight on. And then we're going to get to the bigger picture discussion, more of, of what went wrong and what could, could possibly change going forward in the future. But yeah, let's let's jump right into game one. Uh, UMass trying to um, turn things around. One of the longest losing streaks they've ever had uh, post uh, the first season in the Carvel era. Um Early into this game, things not looking too great. And uh, about five minutes into the first period, we see uh, a pass to the point to Mikey Adamson jump right over his stick and lead to uh, one of the easier breakaway goals you'll ever see for Ryan Green on BU. Yeah, I mean, the first five minutes of the game were pretty, pretty meh overall. You know what I mean? There wasn't really, it's not like we were dominating. It's not like we were getting completely destroyed. It was a pretty middling five minutes. And then, we had some zone time. We were trying to make some stuff happen and puck kind of just got chipped backwards towards Mikey Adamson. He misplays it. it. I don't know if it was a bad bounce or just straight up skipped over his stick. He couldn't corral it. Breakaway chance for, for green and the, the speed on BU this weekend was in full effect and there was no way we were catching him with a with a full head of steam going down the ice. And he flips a backhand because he was completely uncontested going the other way. And yeah, he, he gets it. He gets it in the back of the net, and it was not a good start for us in this game. Yeah, um, I just I forgot to mention right before the first goal, uh, we see no Aaron Bollinger again in this series. Um, so that was of note on the defensive side. And uh, Luke Pavisic was in goal to start this game for UMass. Um, that, that first goal really wasn't his fault at all. He got put out to dry on the breakaway. So um, the rest of the period, pretty honestly even. Um, you mentioned BU's speed that was clearly evident throughout all of this but uh, for the most part the the period wasn't very lopsided at all it goes into the first intermission one nothing and about a minute into the second period we see uh, one of the best goals you'll ever see Wilmer Skoog on BU um, takes it behind the UMass net and does the classic Michigan move Uh, the first one I ever have seen in person so I was pretty impressed Uh, just like I guess I guess you can cover him a bit more behind the net, but almost nothing you could do on that one. It's just a really pretty goal. Yeah, this was the first goal of this sort that I've seen in person as well. So I if you want to call it a treat, 
I guess, but obviously it was under the worst possible circumstances as UMass fans. Um, I've seen petitions online to rename this goal from the Michigan to the Scoob because I'm pretty sure that this guy scored at least two or three of these in his career. I know for a fact he scored one of these last year, so it's kind of his specialty. Um, I don't really know if it's something that you really game plan for. You know, like that's just one of those really high skill plays that kind of just organically happens. I feel like there there is probably a bit of scouting that you can do knowing that that's kind of this guy's signature move. Maybe you want to cover that a bit better, but they had a lot of bodies down low and we only had so many guys covering that area. So I don't know. It seemed like, I mean, I'm looking at the goal again. I'm trying to see who was covering that post. I think it was Adamson at the time. He doesn't have the greatest stick reach. You know I mean? He's not the biggest guy ever. So he was trying to cover two guys at once. You know, we had four guys plugging up the slot and you had two guys down low being covered just by Mikey Adamson. That's not a recipe for success. And I mean, it's a good play by Skoog overall to elevate the puck and, you know, make a pretty sick play. You know, we talked about their speed earlier on in the episode already, but they're a skilled team too. And they're going to make you pay for, you know, leaving defensive errors like that. So that was a solid goal in the grand scheme of things. You know, it was, you know, it sucks to watch obviously, but I mean, it's not like it was an inherently insanely bad goal to give up. You know what I mean? Like that's just one of those, what you would think to be a once in a lifetime play for this guy, but apparently he just makes it happen on the regular now. So who knows what to expect out of him, but yeah, that's again, two nothing kick to the gut. We just can't seem to get anything going right now. Yeah, and things went uh, very far downhill after this goal. Um, when things are said and done in the second period, it might be the worst period of the season for UMass. Um, cut to about halfway through, BU goes to the power play. Penalties were a real problem for UMass this weekend. We'll have a little bit more on that later. But uh, we see uh, Quinn Hudson just skating laps in the offensive zone, um, not having to pass the puck. Guys not really stepping up on him. And he gets it into the skates into the slot and just nips one. A really, really good snipe, but um, he had so much room to work with just skating laps around UMass. I had a really bad sense of deja vu when you were just describing those goals because you said that this was probably the worst period that we've seen out of UMass hockey. I'm pretty sure we said that last episode when we were talking about Providence. Like mm. this, this is not a this is not a sentence that we should be repeating as fans. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of, you're supposed to have that one really bad period. You use that as the learning experience and you move on from that saying, we're never going to do this again. And it looks like we're both repeating that and it's getting worse. Like this, this goal, no, like I get it. It's a power play opportunity, but that, that just means you're undisciplined. If you're going to be, you know, giving up power plays like that, like, when, when you're playing against a team that, again, has a lot of speed and skill, you basically have to commit penalties to try and keep up with them. If we're not going to be able to match them in a quote-unquote legal way, you know, to, to play the, the right way and make actual defensive plays, that's when we get called for things like tripping and hooking because we get lazy because we can't keep up with them. And we got punished for it here. I mean, you described it perfectly. He was literally wheeling in the zone. He nips the short side. I mean – we, we got to do better than that. If you're getting beat near post top corner, you know, from basically the top of the faceoff dot and you're seeing the guy fairly clearly, you, you got to do better than that. You know, like, again, I don't want to blame Pav too much, but just because, because neither goalie's making that save right now. You know, we're just, we're, we're in a rut, man. We're really, we're just, we're not looking good. Yeah. And you mentioned them kind of asserting their dominance in terms of the speed we see that again, literally three minutes later. Um, BU, who very good in the breakout this 
weekend. Um, we've seen teams be very good in the breakout against UMass, so it's definitely a discussion that we'll have later as well. But they have a four-on-four four going up ice that turns into a three-on-two, which turns into a two-on-one um, in the cross-crease pass. Quinn Hudson, the guy that just scored the goal three minutes prior, scores one again to make it 4 nothing. And this is when you really start to hear the, the groans from the crowd at Mullins. Yeah, at this point, I was – I was kind of just resigned to my fate. You know what I mean? Like I never want to give up on a team, especially one that I care about so much like UMass hockey, but this, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, you know, what's the point? Like, why am I here? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to sound like a complete, you know, doomer and just all sad and mopey, but like when we can't even get the proper number of guys back, you know what I mean? Like everything is just, we're being outnumbered, you know, like that's, that's something as simple as just, staying in front of your guy and making a smart play. Like I, I understand that, you know, we're a young team and I think I'm starting to slowly accept that. I think that's kind of what this losing streak has done to me. And I, I get it now. You know what I mean? Like we were, we were spoiled by the beginning of the season and everybody online has been saying that. And I'm, I'm really starting to agree. I think I was kind of, I guess the term would be, I don't want to say spoiled, but just like, you know, I think we were overachieving expectations and now the cracks are really starting to show. So we can move on to the next goal. I don't really know what else to say. Yeah. Uh, the next goal, literally 10 seconds <laughs> later, BU wins the faceoff. UMass has two guys pinch up on them way too hard and they get exposed. Another two to one, two on one down ice and Riley Green buries another cross crease literally 10 seconds later. And uh, the really demoralizing thing here is halfway through the second period, you had the majority of the student section after this one stand up and start to leave the building. Like uh, another, another goal that there's absolutely no excuse for being scored on. Yeah. I mean, you, again, I'm not even going to bother explaining the goals at this point. I, the only thing that I can really add to this because it's just kind of sad. I, Usually when, when we talk about these goals, I look on Twitter to like refresh my memory to try and just, you know, I can't remember every goal that happens. I was looking for the next clip to see this goal. I realized in the tweet, they said that the goals were scored so close together. They put them in the same clip on Twitter. I, I didn't even have to go to a new tweet to see the goal against like, that's, that's sad. Like I was literally getting lost trying to look for this goal. And it was literally just in the same video. Like, BU didn't even bother to split it up into two separate videos. That's how close the goals were to one another. So that's, that's pitiful at this point, you know, like, like, like you said, Cameron, when it rains, it pours. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where we're at right now. And uh, at this point, Luke Pavisic was pulled from the game for Cole Brady. Um, I don't know if I really fault him too much for the outcome of this one. I mean, he really got left out to dry on just about every goal. Um, the, the power play one that, he was nipped short side. He probably should have saved that. Mm -hmm. yep. But other other than that, each of these goals looked like he was really left out to dry. Yep, I completely agree. I mean, four really bad defensive efforts and then one where, I mean, he might have been screened a little bit. There was some traffic out in front. I think Adamson was trying to get in the way to block it and he couldn't get a block. So he might have been screened in there. But that's one, if you're getting beat short side, you should have that one back. But everything else was either a cross crease, breakaway, something to that effect you know a bunch of traffic in front it's it's tough for him to make a play there yeah um that was uh the end of the bu scoring at least for a little while um umass yeah. with a minute minute 30 left in the th second period they're on the power play 
and we get our first pissed missile of the season, Ryan Ufko from the um, from near the blue line to make it five to one. Uh, things were so sad at this moment that there is no video of it or the next UMass goal on uh, UMass Hockey's Twitter page, but I think you remember it pretty clearly. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we were kind of just playing to not get shut out. And at that point, we're looking for the moral victory. We're not looking for any sort of points or anything like that in the standings. So I think we, you know, if I remember, we got some pretty decent zone time, but I think part of that could have been contributed to just be you just saying, here you go, have some, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're just staring at the scoreboard and smiling the whole time. So, I mean, we, we got some time in the zone. We made them pay. It was a solid shot by Ufko. I love, I love saying piss missile. So it was a nice piss missile. I like to, you know, say that term whenever it's, applicable but yeah to, to me that was the only time you know I stood up I gave a little bit of a golf clap and then I sat right back down you know I was just not in the mood at that point yep and then uh that's how the period ended five to one uh, we'll go to the third and uh for the third UMass challenged for a five minute major on BU and they actually won so they were set to start the third period with five minutes of power play time and their their power play has been awesome this year so that's Really uh, gets you thinking. Hey, if they can score two or three on this five-minute major, we we might have a chance. However, this is definitely something we need to elaborate on a little bit because UMass to start the third period is late out coming to the bench. Uh, we can only imagine it's because Coach Carvel and the staff was laying into them after what we think is probably the worst period they've had this season. Uh, they come out late. Coaches usually come out before the players do, and the coaches are a good minute behind the players and UMass gets penalized for it. Um, protocol violation was the call. We haven't seen one of those before, but uh, it negates the first two minutes of that five on three, the, the penalty that you'd really give yourself a chance if you could score a couple on. And this is so char- uncharacteristic of Greg Carville and his staff over the last seven years. We uh, have been lucky enough to not have to worry about something like this happening. Um, and I, I do think they, that we need to um, criticize them a bit just because, hey, if the coaches are giving a speech, it's not on the players to say, hey, we have to go out there at this time. So, uh, yeah, just um, what has gone from a, a, a poor effort on the player side turns into a, an entire team situation, just really unacceptable in all regards. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only thing I could possibly say is like that could be – I guess maybe some sort of way of Carvey trying to like just really lay into the boys and try and get them motivated. But in the same point, you know, if, if, if he wants to use it as a teaching lesson to try and get them to play better in the future, one, knowing what we saw from the game after didn't really work out that well. And two, we we've seen what happened in the previous series when we were down, I'm pretty sure it was five, one at that point, And we managed to claw it back to five, four, you know, like we're, what we saw from the previous weekend was we can claw our way back into most games, you know, like it, it is possible. And we've seen it before that, that, that doesn't happen when you were supposed to have a five minute power play. And now it gets chopped down to a three minute one, especially when you're down so much. So it's like that, that's really, like you said, uncharacteristic. And it, it kind of makes, makes me personally wonder what's, what the hell is going on in that locker room. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like there's been, some like just overall like at least like confusion from the players on the ice it seems like there have been a lot of mental lapses 
and guys just don't know what's going on. And I don't know who we're really meant to blame for that right now. Like we, we, you know, we named the damn podcast after things that Carby's kind of talked about on those, you know, like just about the program in general and what he believes in, but that, that kind of, it, it, it raised my eyebrows a little bit and I guess, you know, hopefully he, he turns it around, but I'm a little, a little concerned in, in, at this juncture. Yeah. And uh, it kind of does affect UMass poorly. They don't score in that four on four time. They do get one, however, three minutes and 21 seconds into the period Reed Lepster on the power play, another goal that UMass didn't post a video for, but uh, just almost too little too late when you're, when you're scoring that late into the five on three, you really wanted to get two or three in that power play. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how this one was scored. I want to say it was a rebound. I think, I think he just kind of chips one away from out front of the net. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I guess at, le- at least my personal opinion, you know, at the time was, Hey, maybe, maybe we are clawing something back. Who knows? You know, like, again, we saw it in the, in the previous series against Providence, we were able to make it at least a somewhat interesting game. And I thought, you know, maybe if we don't even get the win, at least we can get some positive momentum. If we win the period, you know, and we can take that into a Gannis and see what we can do from there. But yeah, I mean, you're going to mention it, you know, very soon. It really didn't lead to a whole lot towards the end of this period anyway. Yeah. Um, BU again, controlled the third period, the rest of the way. Um, we see UMass have the goalie pulled in the final five minutes. They bury an empty netter to make it six to two. Um, and then UMass takes a couple of penalties in the last five minutes, just likely frustration penalties at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and then, Another another pretty unacceptable effort. I mean, I know there's 30 seconds left in a 62 game, but uh, BU player Devin Kaplan finds himself with a lot of space. Three three UMass players completely around him. Uh, a shot comes in from the point and gets a perfect rebound right to him. Nobody's covering him. Makes it seven to two just to cap off a really really ugly performance defensively. Yeah, the, the the thing that gets me the most about this, like I get it's a five on three, you know what I mean? Like we we were not closing out this game smartly whatsoever, but when you got three guys out in front of a slot, you, you gotta you gotta expect that at least the slot's covered and there's not gonna be a goal against coming from that area. You know, when when you're localizing all of your defensive efforts into one spot on the ice and then you get scored on in that area of the ice, that's unacceptable. Like that I just I, I get it. You, like the only part that I could possibly say that I get in the situation, there's 30 seconds left and we're down by four, but you got to show some compete, show some character. You know what I mean? Show that you give a crap, you know, like just, Oh my God. Like I want to scream. And like, and I mean, that'll probably end up happening when we talk about the second game, but like, this is just, this is, I don't know how else to word it. Like I'm trying to pull out a dictionary and try and find new words, but they're genuinely escaping me. I'm just so disappointed and frustrated at this point. Right. And I think the feeling is warranted. Like it's not, we've seen this team skill. Obviously they beat it, the number one team in the country twice handily. So the skill is there for them to do it. The The problem in this game was clearly effort all around. Like everybody on the team, um, the effort was just not there. And at the end of every game at Mullins, they do their handshakes and salute the crowd. This is one of the first times in my life. I did not feel the need to to salute their effort on the ice because it was just that, demoralizing seeing BU skating laps around him. I, I don't know how else to put it. No, I didn't. Literally, I remember I was so frustrated at the end of the game that I kind of like tried to push past you because you always sit to my left and I just wanted to get the hell out of the arena ASAP. And 
like I knew people, you know, like that I talked to on Twitter that they were leaving the games early. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. I completely understand at this point, like that when, when you're on what at that point was a three game losing streak, right? So now what would essentially end up being the fourth, the fourth loss and the losing streak at this point in this game, how, how do you not show more effort? Like, or, or like, it's not just me and you thinking this too, because literally every single person on Twitter that is even remotely attached to this program and gives a crap about this program, they were all saying the exact same thing. You know what I mean? Like there's a distinct lack of effort and caring that goes into like just what they do on the ice. And if a three game losing streak now to be a four game losing streak, isn't what's going to motivate you. What the hell is like, what are you waiting for? What's going to be the kick in the ass that you need to figure it out? You know, like, and it's not even like, it's just a couple of specific players that deserve benching. It's the entire team. Like I, the only guy that I could even in this game, give remote plaudits to, at least in my opinion, was Taylor McCarr because he at least was trying to make things happen in the dude literally put his body on the line to, to make it happen. Like he had a play. It was either in the second or the third period. We were down heavily and he basically took it out of, out of our own D zone, single hand. He looked like kale. He genuinely was trying to pull off kale moves. He went full head of steam down the ice and just skated it in. And that I think was the only semi clean zone entry that we had the entire game with speed and skill. Like everything up until that point was dumping chase hockey. And we finally, you know, he, was holding the guy off with his left hand, skating around the corner in, you know, into the, like the area behind the net. And he clearly loses an edge. I don't know if he got bumped and it was a lack of balance or whatever. The dude was skating like 20 something miles an hour at this point. He was looking like McDavid. It was insane, but he loses his legs out from under him. He crashes into the boards and he started, you know, favoring his wrist towards the end and he skated away toward the bench. He didn't even end up playing the next game, but this dude's literally putting his body on the line to try and get a spark into this team. Like, Everybody, from what we've heard, loves him in the locker room. He clearly gives a shit about the program. I, he's the only guy that I could even give a remote golf clap to in this game because it looked like he was the only one that actually gave a shit. And fair play to him, you know what I mean? But even at the end of the day, it, it wasn't enough. You know, this team has to try and both come together as a team, making, you know, team-oriented plays, but you have to show individual effort as well because that, that will give a whole boost to the team as a whole. And I didn't see that from basically anybody else other than Taylor. And that was only one play. You know what I mean? Like, it really wasn't even a whole lot outside of that. So this, it's starting to get old, man. You know, I thought we were going to have only a couple of episodes of this sort of demeanor, you know. And I was expecting this to come out in the beginning of the season. You know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, we lose to Denver. Maybe we would, you know, we would probably take care of Union. And then once we got to hockey East play, it'd be, you know, pretty tough. But again, when you start the season off so well, you, you start to think, you know, maybe we got something here. And the, the regression that we've shown is catastrophic. You know, it wasn't even like a gentle, you know, roller coaster ride downwards. It was a sheer cliff. This was looking like, you know, the Great Depression, you know, like the stock market just literally fell from the top to the bottom instantaneously. That's where we're at right now. Like, Everything changed when we let in that goal at the end of the game against Merrimack to take it to OT. That, that was when everything changed. That, like, we might have to look at that goal this season and think, what if that didn't happen? 
because that's that's where I think we're at right now because that that's when I saw the major shift in in the energy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, you mentioned Taylor McCarr in our conversations, at least with each other. We uh, thought it was only a matter of time before that kind of play from him gets him injured. Mm-hmm. Um, plays, we love the effort, absolutely, but uh, he it's does reckless. play. He does play recklessly. Uh, he throws his body around, skates a little faster than he should be sometimes. We love the effort, but yeah, it was just a matter of time before he got himself hurt. We hope it's not too serious. Uh, you mentioned he was out for the second game. Uh, big lineup changes for the second game. I'm not, don't remember all of them. You can check our, our Twitter for the lines to see just how different it was. But um, also Cole Brady gets to start over Luke Pavisic in this one. Uh, didn't, didn't affect much in the grand scheme of things. But uh, yeah, we, we jumped to the game too. Uh, UMass came out pretty strong, actually. They almost dominated the first five minutes. They looked really strong. Passes were connecting. Um, just looked pretty good. Um, in the middle 10 minutes, I thought they, it was pretty evenly played back and forth. Um, not too much of a difference, but in that time we see BU score the first goal of the game. It was a shot from the point that just had the juiciest rebound ever off of Cole Brady and nobody in, in the slot for UMass went over to clear the puck. It sat there for a while. BU player skates right into the slot and buries it to make it one, nothing. Yeah, so I guess I'll do a couple of housekeeping items for me just real quick to get it out of the way. Um, so first, just to talk about the lines. I think the only the only main thing that I just wanted to point out is it seems like the third line was just completely and utterly switched up. Like Kennedy O'Connor and Owen Murray came in, which is nuts. And then Tyson Dick moves down to the extra forward spot, which we talked about after last series. You know, we think maybe he could get demoted at some point due to some some boneheaded plays. Seems like that happened here, but I think kind of the, the big part about that whole thing is that we, th- I think this is the first time that the freshman line's been broken up in its entirety. Like that was our leading scoring line, and it seemed like everything else in the lineup up until this point was, was being switched around but that specific line. Mm-hmm. And seeing that that line finally gets switched up, it was, I think Matt Koopman ended up taking the left wing spot on that line. Um, it's definitely a big shift. You know what I mean? Like that was the line with the most kind of continuity from game to game. And the fact that now that is kind of the main, like the line that gets switched up for the most part, like that's, I think that's supposed to kind of signal a shift and kind of, you know, a big, like now we're, now we're pulling out all the stops to try and make something happen. And it didn't really work out, you know, obviously, but um, I guess the last housekeeping item is try to take what I say for this game with a grain of salt, because I sadly was not able to attend. I had to go with some friends in uh, in Connecticut, so I was predisposed for this game. So I'm going to default to Cam's kind of ideas for the most part when we're talking about this game because I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about when I didn't watch the whole game. I'm going to be completely honest and transparent whenever possible. So, yeah, I can really only give commentary on what I'm seeing on Twitter. But, yeah, this goal was the juiciest rebound I've ever seen. And they they had that that rebound shot with so much conviction and power that I really haven't seen out of many rebound shots from UMass. Like that's just a stark contrast. So we just, it, I find it funny that just everything that, that BU's hockey team did this weekend just seems so clean and almost professional. Like it was unbelievable just the amount of precision that they had in all their movements that we simply lacked this weekend. We looked lost at times and our execution was just ultimately pardon the language, but it was piss poor. You know, there's no other way to say it. So yeah, we can we can get into the next goal after I went on that massive diatribe of freaking lovely housekeeping. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned the middle 10 minutes of this period being pretty evenly played with five minutes left. Things really took a swing for the worst. BU started dominating play and about two and a half minutes left in this period. We see another shot that gets another juicy rebound and another instance of UMass not being able to clear the puck and it makes it two nothing BU. Yeah, that's kind of been a major issue that I've noticed throughout really this losing streak. And it, it kind of, again, started off with the Merrimack series. Like, they, we have not been able to clear out the front of the net at all. And I, I can kind of, at least in my mind, attribute it to two things. I think we'll probably touch upon this more when we do the whole analysis. But, yeah, I'll leave it at, for this point, just very, very poor kind of, I guess, both rebound control by the goalies, but you also need to do better as a defensive unit to clear out the pucks because if we keep getting, if we keep letting the other team have second and third chance opportunities, we're going to get burned every time. Like as much as we can say, like we believe in our goaltenders that these guys have shown so far, at least recently that they are not the likes of Matt Murray or Philip Lindbergh. We got bailed out by those guys a lot because I feel like even, even in those you know seasons, we weren't amazing at clearing out pucks, but we were, sure as hell a lot better back then than we were currently so we really need to clean that up going forward yep uh, that's how the sec the first period ends we move to the second uh, again UMass comes out of the locker room they look pretty decent uh, it's pretty evenly played up until um, about 12 20 in the period we see Eric Faith genuinely I'm I'm not trying to exaggerate or overplay this if you watch the goal um, the video of it he genuinely looks like he's a member of the other team putting the puck in deep around the boards behind the net uh, BU immediately takes the puck passes it to the front of the net and scores to make it three nothing just I, w- I was shell-shocked to see us give up a goal in that way it was unbelievable yeah so you you had a slight hesitation in your voice when explaining that and i think that was due to seeing my facial reaction when i was like we were doing this on zoom right now so we can see each other in in crystal clear hd but i i'm watching this goal for the first time admittedly and what i'm seeing is nothing short of amazing in the worst possible way like i i can't find a a word for amazing with a negative connotation that would be accurate enough to describe this this might be one of the oddest plays I've ever seen out of a UMass player. This, we, me and Cam kind of have an inside joke where we, where we talk about Ivan Chukarov. If you guys know about, if you guys remember him from, it was the 2016 season at this point. This he, is, he got, he got reps 2018, 2019. He didn't finish out that season, but. Yeah, I think he left in January. But the point being, the whole premise of that inside joke, he had a play where he was sitting behind the UMass net I think he was trying to clear out a puck and he literally just whips it into the slot. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure the other teams play or the, the other team collected that puck and just nipped it top corner. Like again, he looked like a member of the opposing team. It, we couldn't tell what side he was playing for. That's kind of the vibes that I'm getting from this. Like this is a Chukarov play. If that, if that makes any sense, if you guys now understand what I'm talking about, you, you literally have the puck along the half wall. I mean, relatively uncovered like you have good body position the moment that i'm seeing him touch the puck here he has a solid enough body position and there is nobody near the top of the point you can easily just flick that puck on your backhand and get it out like we're not we're not in merrimack stadium if you flick the puck high enough it's not going to hit the roof of the building this is again it's a legitimate you know stadium and arena 
we're not going to get penalized for flicking the puck out of play. He just straight up doesn't do that. He literally, we have two guys in the corner, but we also have a BU player on his butt in the corner as well because he just got knocked off the puck. And Faith literally just says, well, you can have it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that SpongeBob thing where he goes like, that's my puck. You know, like, now let him have it. You can have it. Like, that's literally what he did. And I... I just don't know. I, I really don't know what to say anymore. Like that, these mental lapses, and especially out of your captain who has been here, you know, all his career, he understands the Carvel system. You know, he's, he clearly understands stuff well enough to where he gets the C on the front of his shirt. And he's the guy that's going to be leading this team and trying to set the standard and, you know, lead by example, all these things that we always hear about character and compete and everything. There's, there's, there has to be a level of character and compete with everything that this program does, but you also have to have, I guess, quick enough hockey IQ. Like I'm not going to roast this guy and, you know, talk about, you know, his hockey IQ because I've never played a game of organized hockey in my life. I'm looking at this from a beautiful TV perspective and I can see the whole ice here. I get that he can't, but you're a D one athlete, my guy, you know what I mean? Like we, again, I feel like we're in the position to expect better out of this team. Maybe it's starting to get to this point to where if this losing streak goes on long enough, I don't know how much, I don't know what to expect at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had a pretty clear idea on what to expect earlier on the season and that got thrown on its head and we were loving life. And now we're hurtling back down to that realistic expectation and, it hurts. It really, it just, it hurts me as a fan. I'm, I'm having a tough time trying to eloquently put my words together so we can move on. I apologize for again, going on a massive rant, but that's just where I'm at and where I think the program's at right now. It's just, we're in rant mode. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned the hockey IQ. I've never played organized hockey as well, but I, I feel like the correct instinct would be to get that puck away from the goal yes um regardless of what you see you also if you if you watch the video read lebster's open in the neutral zone where he would have put that puck had he tried to dump it out but uh alas that's not what happened umass goes down three nothing and that's how the second period ended and we go to the third immediately out of the jump faith does redeem himself umass gets a um, a two-on-one off of an awesome steal from Cal Keefuke and puts it home to make it three-to-one. Yeah, I guess the only thing I can really add to this because, like, like, like we said in the previous game, no, no UMass goals being posted up on the Twitter, and obviously BU's not going to post that. Um, so I really can't contribute too much under the topic of this goal, but I just to kind of touch upon, again, like I don't want to beat a dead horse, but just going back to the previous goal because there was one last thing I wanted to add. I, I've noticed that the the notion of kind of trying to clear danger by playing the puck behind the net has been very prevalent in the past couple of games. We've had multiple botch drop passes from going from behind the net. Like that's kind of been our default way of getting rid of pressure when we kind of have guys draped on our backs trying to, you know, take the puck away and pressure the puck carrier. And we've done this whole play it around the boards and try and, you know, leave other guys in the dust that way. And it's already burned us in the past. And now that it seems that it's so ingrained into our players' mindset to where instead of doing what would normally be the safe play of getting the puck out of the net, now we instead put it deeper into our own zone when, as it stands, some of our breakout plays can be suspect at times. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we're playing to our strengths at all. And it's, it's really kind of the 
the, the coaching is worrying me just because I don't think that we're doing the smartest possible play at every juncture. Like I can completely understand with the youth of this team that it's going to take some time. But when this is happening from a senior member of your team and the captain, that's worrying to me, but yeah, he does redeem himself. And that's pretty cool. So that, that, that's my only commentary on the goal, but yeah, I just wanted to add that little extra point that this is not a, a, a new issue when it comes to playing, you know, playing out of defensive pressure like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of telling, right. The, um, the only goal in this game comes from a steal in the offensive zone and not like a, a zone entry or yep. like a, a setup play like that. So um, that, again, that was UMass's first and only goal of this game. About nine minutes into the third, we see another effort that just really leaves you shaking your head. Um, off right off a faceoff, a BU player is easily able to skate the puck into the slot with no effort from uh, the UMass skaters to really defend it. Uh, Cole Brady gets put in desperation mode. He dives out to try to poke check the puck because there's nobody there to help him. Ends up tripping the guy, and before he does, the guy gets a pass off to another open BU player right in the slot, just uncovered who nips one home to make it four to one i i had my my face in my hands after this one this just brutal yeah. and yeah, they get I mean, a penalty off of it. it it just it can't get any worse can it well it does because we'll talk about the rest of the game but um i'm i'm looking again at this goal for the first time and right off the bat I, I understand what the team is trying to do here, but they are very, very aggressive with their face-off setup. Um, usually when you take a, a defensive zone face-off, you at least want one guy kind of sitting near the, the goal line in case like we win it cleanly backwards or, you know, like usually you kind of want to have one guy in that sort of defensive position in case we lose it or, you know, it kind of, at least it, it seems like in this case off the draw, we, it kind of stalls out a little bit and both players kind of can't get a clean grasp on it. And the right winger on this play that gets the primary assist on the goal blasts directly into the faceoff dot, and he's essentially uncovered because everybody else is either already in breakout mode praying that we win the faceoff and we can counter the other way, but that means that we have nobody back to try and cover this guy that is now actively rushing in on our goaltender uncovered. Like, that, it's, it's a risky play, and we got absolutely burned on it here. You know, like, that if we're going to be that risky to try and claw our way back into a game, you got to win the faceoff, and we didn't here. And it, I'm trying to figure out who this who this was playing left wing on this. It looks like it looks like it's Ufko. He's kind of in like the left wing position, trying to, I guess, cover the guy that's now actively rushing the faceoff dot to try and get the puck. He's slow on this reaction, like very, simple very as that. Slow. There, there is he was not there to cover his man because that's his guy at the end of the day. He either has to. Because he's going to end up being the guy ultimately, at least the way that I'm looking at this play as it's setting up kind of on the screen right now that I'm looking at. It looks like if we win the faceoff back cleanly, he's going to be the guy to loop around the backside of the net and get that puck and then make a play with it. He, he's caught so flat-footed that even if we did win the faceoff there, he would have got beaten by the guy that he's right next to when he lines up on the faceoff anyway. So this, whatever we were trying to do was doomed from the very start just due to simple like we're not we're not making the right adjustments when it comes to putting out our lines like we're not matching up guys effectively we're not playing to our strengths we're putting you know defensive kind of I guess assignments onto the wrong people like 
I, if this is easy to say for me as a, as a fan that's not seeing the preparation that goes into these games, I'm assuming the coaching staff has looked into this stuff extensively, and this is what they think is going to work best. But all I can deal with is what's in front of me and what I'm seeing happen in real time, or it's not really real time because it happened last night. But you get the idea. Like, we're, we, we're just getting outworked, as simple as that. You know, if we show a little bit more hustle and Ufko moves his feet a bit more there and we have guys that can recognize the plays quicker, this could have been a preventable goal, but instead BU, I don't even know if I want to say this, but they were looking fast, hard, and prepared this game. We were not simple as that. You know, they looked like the things that we like to pride our program on. And it looks like we're missing that, that core identity right now, which is super concerning to me. Yeah. And to be that flat footed off a of face off in the defensive zone, completely unacceptable. Like you said. Um, and like I mentioned before, Cole Brady, got penalized for tripping and on that power play uh, I was actually live tweeting this game because I was the um, I was there and I was typing the tweet about the goal to make it four to one when this one went in literally 40 seconds later um, just another kind of like the last game a lot of room to skate in that offensive zone for BU and they nip one from that exact same spot kind of near side uh, probably a saveable puck but um, makes it five to one. All right. So two things, one Cameron, we didn't even talk about this. Now you know how I feel because I was live tweeting the game before this and the exact same thing happened. So we, uh, we both know what it's like to be in the middle of talking about a goal against and another one happens in the same tweeting period, which is the worst possible feeling as a person that is trying to get out accurate information to everybody on a, on a live tweeting basis. But that really sucked. And I mean, I guess the only counterpoint that I can say to your argument is Cole Brady could not see a damn thing on this play. I think BU actually put their largest guy out on the ice specifically to, to screen Cole Brady on this play. I mean, I'm looking at the goal. He shifts over at the perfect time, right as basically number 18 is pulling off his little toe drag to try and snipe it. The, the guy in front of the net, I think it's 32. That might have been Skoog. Of course it was, because why wouldn't it be? That guy was dominating us all weekend. He just kind of does this little cha-cha slide shuffle over to the right, and he's standing right in front of Brady. Brady is literally in a butterfly, and he has no idea where the puck's at. He's he, I genuinely think I have a freeze frame right now. He is so low to the ground. I think he's genuinely trying to see through Scoot's groin to try and look at the puck from there because he has no way of looking around him because the guy's massive, and it was a very well-placed shot by BU. Like, I don't want to talk about the goals too much because it's sounded more like a BU podcast at this point, but this is what happens when we can barely string together goals and we let in, what was it, 12 goals over a two-game period? That's that's just the reality of this podcast. We're going to talk about the games as it happens. And, again, we, we really just have nothing else to say about UMass. So we got absolutely burned on this play, but – the main point of what I'm trying to say is I don't think this was an extremely savable puck. I think this was 100% different from the goal that Pavisic led in short side because I think he could see that puck a lot better than Cole Brady can right now. Yeah. Um, simple as that. You get outscored this much as what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Graham, the third string goalie, comes in to finish this game off, and he looked pretty decent, made a bunch of saves, um, didn't get scored on. And that is how this game ends. Five to one, BU sweeps UMass, takes all six points. Just a couple key stats. We we need to have further discussions about the direction of this team. But uh, some some key stats from this weekend. 
Final score combined, 12 to 3 BU. Total shots, 90 to 53 BU. Third period shots, 38 to 17 BU. We mentioned that in the preview as being a huge issue, those third period shots. And UMass had 10 penalties over the weekend, six from Friday, um, four from Saturday. And just overall, like if you watch both of these games, you know UMass did not play well in either game. Uh, Saturday was a little bit better of an effort. Uh, they at least got some high-quality chances that they didn't capitalize on. But uh, I wanted to point out, we, we've mentioned in the past, there's a quote from Coach Carvel after every game. It goes out on Twitter. And uh, obviously, we love Coach Carvel. He's a friend of ours. He's been on the show. We support him wholeheartedly. I mean, our show is named after him. Um, his quote last night, a bit alarming to me. I don't know. I don't know if you have the same opinion, but he said, I thought the team played fairly well tonight. BU's a good hockey team, and I knew it was going to be tough trying to win here. And I wholeheartedly disagree with him that the team played well on Saturday night. I don't know about you, but I I get you're trying to protect your guys and try to give them a little positivity, but I it's hard to say that with the effort that was put out over this weekend. Spoiler alert, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Cameron. This, I was in shock when I when I read that, like, after everything was said and done. Like, I already saw the final score of the game. I already knew. Like, I was, I was talking to you during the game. I was fairly kept in the loop of just kind of how the team was playing, and I was hearing your opinions for the most part. You, I, I trust your hockey sense, Cameron. That's why we're doing this pod together. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you know, maybe Cam might have been wrong. Maybe they played – no. I, I trust your hockey judgment wholeheartedly. Just as to be fair, I judge Carvels, but I think that that quote to me, when I read that, I said, you know, how how can you say that that's like, I mean, I don't remember the exact quote off the top of my head. I'm trying to remember the whole thing, but if you're trying to do insinuate that this was a, a decent bounce back effort, you're you're just I think you're just wrong. Like I don't know how you can claim that getting beat seven to two the first game and then losing five to one in the second game is acceptable you know like maybe it's not acceptable but I don't see improvement there you know what I mean like okay you lost by one less goal cool like the only thing that I can say that I can take as a, as a positive takeaway from the second game over the first game and this could be a stretch because we still lost at the end of the day but we dominated them in face-offs that's what I'm looking at from the box score we absolutely obliterated them in the face-off dot in that second game but if it doesn't lead to anything what's the point you know what I mean? Like, are we just going to start taking moral victories from small minor details of the game that, you know, we're, we're doing better than them. If we're not scoring goals and beating teams, we're wasting our time. You know what I mean? It's, it's as simple as that. We're looking horrendous right now. And I, I understand the sentiment of wanting to protect your team. Right. And you want to hype your guys up whenever possible, but I, maybe I just don't understand you know Carvel as a as a as a person, but that's never been the vibe that I've gotten from him. He he always to me seems like the type of guy that's going to tell it the way that it is, and he's going to speak his mind. And you know maybe maybe he does that more behind closed doors, and he was completely ripping into the team and wanted to get them on the right track. But I think there needs to be a a hint of accountability at least publicly because. We, we've, you know, we've heard from him on, in more private channels of communication and he he's owned up to, you know, the, the struggles that the team is having. And he understands that the team has to do better. And he knows what goes into that. And 
that is all well and good, but I think not everybody sees those channels of communication. And I think there needs to be a sense of accountability and understanding for, for everybody that follows this team, because there's a lot of people that follow this team and care about it. And I think if they're not in the loop in these very, you know, more nuanced and private channels of communication, they're going to miss out on the bigger picture of the program. And that's what you need is you need everybody to be on board right now and to understand what this team's going through in order for everybody to rally together and figure this damn thing out. You know, like it, it's going to take coaching the players and the fans at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like we're, you know, me and you, we're going to continue to support the team regardless. That's just the way, the way we are as fans, you know what I mean? But I completely understand if there's other fans that are out there right now that are, you know, their hearts hurting, they're trying to figure out where they stand, you know, with trying to support this team. Like if, if we were to look at, at previous seasons and we would have a bad losing streak, we would chalk it up and saying, eh, you know, it's tough, you know, they'll figure it out. I, from what I've seen right now, I have no idea how the hell we're going to figure this out. I don't know what we have to do better. You know, like, well, I know what we have to do better. You got to try harder. It's, it's as simple as that. Like, I don't see the effort right now, but it just, it gets to the point where if, if we're sitting here getting in these high character, high compete guys, and now they're on a four, five game losing streak at this point, and they don't know what has to happen to get out of this rut. I, I just don't know anymore at this point, like what's going to give, because you can blame puck luck and bad bounces all day. That's not what happened here. We got utterly dominated in almost every facet. If we want to talk about face off, whoop de doo who very cool. I don't, I don't care at this point. You know what I mean? That's, that's a trivial matter. I, I don't even know the main point that I'm trying to make at this point. I'm just venting. Like, this is just, this is ridiculous. And I am, it's, it's really upsetting to me and, reading that quote which i guess is kind of what again started this whole rant on my part it it just utterly confused me like i just don't understand the message that was trying to get across there hey i got a little bit more to this quote that might irk you even a little bit more all right let's um, hear it after after that i had what i had mentioned before he said i was proud of the team tonight i thought the game was closer than the score um i really don't think it was like there's you're not going to win games when you can't clear the puck effectively. That was the main issue of this game. And that quote gives off good try UMass vibes to me. Like, I know that's a big, that's a big statement, but like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I can't, I, I was not proud to be a UMass fan last night and I don't know anybody that was. And that is why it's so troubling for me to hear that, I guess. Isn't it, isn't it kind of ironic? I'm pretty sure we lost to BU when that good try UMass thing. It like was. The whole, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure we lost to them when that whole thing started. So if that's not the definition of irony in the textbook, I mean, I don't know what the hell is. Like, that's, that's insane to me. But again, I, I can only complain about the quote so much just because I didn't actually watch the full game. I can't see the nuances of what happened in this game. But if we, you know, I just looking purely at the box score and from what I was hearing from every other person that was watching this full game who, and these people, I, for the most part, trust their hockey instincts. You know, I think, I feel like UMass hockey fans are a fairly educated bunch on the whole. I think when it comes to watching hockey games and understanding what's going on. So just, I, I don't understand how you can say that a five, one game is closer than, 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 you know, like what the scoreline suggests, like, 
there's no way that you can think like, well, you know, we could have had a couple of those goals come back. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's called we couldn't execute. You know, you can say that about any goal against ever. You could say, well, if we did this better, that wouldn't have been a goal against and we could have won that game. It could have been a closer game. You don't, you don't say that about, about effort. You don't say that about misclearances and, you know, bad hockey IQ plays. You, you can't say that physically. Like there's no way that that's an acceptable stance to take. You have to say, you know, screw that. We got to execute better. And that is, I mean, to be fair, him saying it wouldn't really move the needle for me because I already knew that. You know, I think most educated UMass fans would already understand that, but I think hearing it from the horse's mouth itself, I'm not calling Carvel a horse, that's just a saying, but, you know, hearing it, you know, hearing that in, in general, just, it's, it would just make me feel a bit better, you know, like, I don't know, I just feel like there needs to be more public accountability for that, but I, I'm not really sure who to blame, because at the end of the day, the coach can motivate as much as humanly possible. It's up to the players at the end of the day to make these plays happen and actually be the guys that are going to be the playmakers come game day. You, there's only so much preparation that can be done, but I just, something's got to give and we just need to be better holistically, I think. Right. And I think there's a reason that these quotes hit us as fans very hard. And it's that UMass opened up the season sweeping number one Denver blowing the doors off a of union 14 to one over two games. So we've seen in a decent stretch of hockey that this team has the potential to be really, really good. They could score goals. They can defend, they can limit chances. They can win face-offs. They can not lose the shooting battle. Like they're doing so heavily lately. Mm -hmm. They can do all of these things. And when you have these last two weekends where the team just underperforms and you see it game after game, goal after goal against the mistakes that are happening on the ice, and you know that their potential is so much higher than this, that's when this, this quote kind of rubs you the wrong way. When you're proud of the team for that, when you know what their potential is and what they've done earlier this season, it's not like they have development that they need to do to get to this point. A lot of these guys have the skill. It's just about using that and trying your fullest and playing the full 60 minutes that we're not seeing. That's why I think it just rubs us the wrong way. I don't know. It just, it, it, and I mean, I kind of want to go on to a slightly different point. Like, well, just to respond to the whole, like we did this earlier on in the season thing, part of me kind of just wants to throw that away. I think I don't want to be a, a, a fan that's stuck in the past at this point. Like I understand mm -hmm. the, the, the sentiment of saying, Hey, we've done this before. Why can't we do it again? I get that. But clearly something in just the mentality of the team as a whole has shifted. Like something, something has changed. I don't know what it is. I don't know what inkling of, you know, what's the term that I'm looking for here. It's just complacency. That mm. is the term. We have so much complacency in the way that we're performing right now, because we've had at this point, basically two and a half weeks to get, get it in gear and figure it out. And it's only gotten worse in my opinion. You know, I think, you like when we look at other UMass programs, like, like the football team, we always talk about the idea of progression and getting better as the weeks go on. You know, that's something that a lot of teams that are, you know, I guess we could call ourselves in a rebuilding year. You know, we lose most of our main goal scoring. We lose a lot of really important pieces and we have to kind of retool. I feel like UMass has retooled a lot. And I thought at the beginning of the season, that's what we were going to get was a retooling year because our freshmen and everybody else that came in, all of our transfers, were going to make big impacts early. And that was what happened. But I, I guess on a slightly positive, you know, more positive note, because I don't want to 
just completely rain on everybody's parade and make this the most sad episode in the world because who knows we got we got other weekends that could go worse at this point i don't freaking know you know what i mean like but i guess just going forward i want to have a bit of positivity in the fact that this team is going to be damn good in the future i think i think with the guys that we have right now we were expecting these sorts of mental mistakes but at least we know that the skill is there right now maturity and understanding of the game and even just maturing you know like in their bodies and just getting bigger and stronger and faster that's going to happen with time and especially understanding carvel's system a lot better they're only going to get better not to mention the guys that we have in our pipeline right now that are committed it's going to just get even better with this team like we're having an amazing goaltender come in very soon we're going to have a ton of really talented forwards and defensemen come in soon i think we'll be able to put it all together eventually but you know, it's, it, it, it's kind of a, I'm going to openly admit it, it's kind of cope. It really is. You know, like I definitely am excited for the future, but I, I also want to be excited for right now. And I don't think I am right now. And that's, it, it really sucks. I hate to put a doomer type swing on what you just said. Uh, Cause in ways I think you're right. But some of the main problems that are evident this series, you have guys that aren't freshmen doing these things. You have Ryan Ufko flat-footed off the faceoff. Yeah. Directly leads to a goal. You have Eric Faith making the wrong decision as our captain and, and giving the puck up in a high-scoring area. You have Scott Morrow, who has all the skill in the world, <laughs> so much potential, waving his stick at guys as they blow past him in the neutral zone. It's like... The, the potential of all of these guys who have also figured out how to do it at this level right now is questionable. And that's, that's what makes it really like sad for me because I just know all the potential of these guys. And I, I don't know if the communication is an issue, if the message that they're receiving is the issue, but like guys, guys that aren't freshmen that aren't making rookie mistakes are also equally as, to blame in this situation so that's what's really frustrating for me and I, I get that you know like I really wasn't putting that into perspective earlier and now that you said that it's a that's an extremely valid point you know what I mean like we we just seem so lost right now and I think it again I can't say that I know what the issue is right off the top of my head but like when you just mentioned Scott Morrow that kind of set off something in my brain like we thought he was going to be like making plays all over the ice 24 seven this year, because he was doing that last year. He was making guys look silly. He was playing with confidence. He was playing also. I don't want to say he was playing insanely smart last season, because that'd be a straight up lie, but he was playing a hell of a lot smarter last season than he is this season. And I, I wonder if it's a case of he's being forced to do too much because like he's not playing along the likes, you know, alongside the likes of the Trevino's and the weights and the Lopinas, you know, he's not playing with guys that can draw pressure away from him because now I feel like the, the teams can kind of hone in on him a lot more and try and neutralize him and force our younger guys to try and make plays and step up to the plate. And we did that earlier this season, but I think just, we're putting a lot of pressure on young guys. Like, I mean, Carvey, that's a quote that I, from Carvey that I can fully agree with that he said earlier on in the season is that we're making, you know, freshmen make really big plays. And sometimes they've stepped up to the plate and sometimes they've crumbled under the pressure, quite frankly. 
And that's going to happen. You know, we, we have to take the good with the bad, but as of lately, there has not been enough good to outweigh the bad for us to have a positive outlook right now. Like this is, if we continue on the trajectory that we're continuing right now, this is going to be a long, a long, long season. Like, I don't think, and this could be a good segue into another, you know, topic of conversation in this episode, but I don't see ourselves being ranked, you know, when, when, when Monday comes around, I don't, I don't think we deserve to be like, if we want to talk about more Carvey quotes, you get what you deserve. We don't deserve that. That's, that's simple as that, you know, like we, we were what 11th going into this, into this weekend. I, oddly enough, I'm pretty sure BU had us uh, listed as 10th on all of their graphics, which was a little funny. It might've been a pairwise thing. I have no idea, but we should not be in that top 20 whatsoever. I, I don't know if we even deserve to get votes. You know what I mean? Like even being on that bubble, like that could be a bit of an overreaction. I feel like some people are going to say, no, we, we can turn it around and be good. You know, like we could equalize out to maybe a top 16, 15 team. Fair enough, but I, I'm not seeing that right now as it stands. I don't know if you have a different idea, Cameron. I don't know if you got anything to add onto that, but that's, that's kind of where I'm steering this conversation in the direction of right now. Yeah, I just want to I want to say one more thing before we get off the the players and the effort. Mm-hmm. Um I we are t- like have an extremely negative spin on what has happened the last couple weekends. Um I just want to make sure that everybody knows if you're a player, if you like are related to a player and are listening like we love everybody on this team and we love this team as much as anybody in <laughs> yeah. the entire fan base. We're extremely passionate, so when losses like this happen, please take what we say with a grain of salt. Um, I feel like we've been a very harsh over the last hour of talking about this, that mm-hmm. uh, um, it could be taken the wrong way. Uh, we're just extremely passionate. At the end of the day, this really isn't that important. It's a game um, that we're lucky enough to get to witness every, every season. So um no, it's no hard feelings at all. We're, we're just trying to say what we see um, outside of recording this. Like we have no ill will or ill intent to any of the players or the coaching staff or anything like that. We're just, we're just kind of, this is our kind of way of venting. We're just getting all our feelings out after this. It'll be, it'll be completely good. Like we're going to Belfast next weekend. If we see some of the guys going out, like we're going to be their best friend. Like we're not, we're not against anybody right now. We're just getting our frustrations. I just want to, want to make sure everybody knows that. I just wanted to echo that really quickly before you move on. Like, yeah, I wanted to, the way that I can kind of attribute this in my mind is it's kind of like therapy in a sense, like just, just talking out there, getting the thoughts out there. If people listen, that's awesome. We appreciate everybody that listens, but at least for me, like, I just feel like I can't fit everything that I feel about this team into a Twitter post. If Twitter wants to start slapping, you know, 3,000 character limits onto their tweets, that'd be awesome. I could start writing, you know, par- three-paragraph essays that you'd see on the MCAS back in the day if you were growing up in Massachusetts as, like, a middle school student. But, like, there is just – I don't know. It's – again, we, we love this team to death, and I completely agree with that. You know what I mean? And that's why I feel like we we feel so strongly about the things that we say. You know, like, it's not coming from a place of – just inherent negativity or trying to make the the program feel bad. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, we're just two guys talking about this, this team that we love. You know what I mean? We're, we're not here to have some sort of crazy lasting impact where the players are going to be nervous about what we think. That's never going to happen. We know that. Like we're not stupid, but we just want to 
we we just we we want what's best for the team you know what i mean like we we want to see this team grow and succeed as both being amazing players on the ice but we understand that one of the core values of this program as well is making just good humans in general you know what i mean and one of those big pillars of you know kind of i guess what's the term one of one of the big things that we kind of pride ourselves on is work ethic you know what i mean and when we see on the ice a distinct lack of that it's concerning you know what i mean like that just means that something got lost along the way and it it really sucks to see as as, as fans of this of this great program yeah um well put um just wanted to make that clear we yeah. are not we don't have a vendetta against anybody like we just want want the success for everybody and it's it's bigger than hockey at the end of the day so um you mentioned the rankings i do believe that umass will drop a good ways i could still see them being in the top 20 um not too many spots uh not not too much room for them to stay in i think but i i do think they'll probably stay there i'm pretty sure they're still like 11th and pairwise right now um because of the strength of schedule which mm-hmm. kind of leads us into a, another little conversation the schedule going forward is not forgiving if you're hoping that umass is going to get an easy schedule to bounce out of this it's uh still a bit concerning we have unh who's had a really bad season so far we play them friday in new hampshire you listen to our schedule preview episode we had this game pegged as a trap game before the season even started umass just plays really poorly in that building um it just seems like a the weekend before the big trip to to belfast the guys minds might be off of it so even before the season started we said this game is danger territory then after that, we have the Friendship Four, which I think will be very good for uh, just getting the players out of their day-to-day routine, just something new, something to get their mind off of it a little bit. But on that weekend, um, we have a ranked UMass Lowell team in Game 1. Game 2 will either be uh, a ranked Quinnipiac team or Dartmouth. Obviously, Dartmouth would be the easier opponent, but if you win on Friday, you get Quinnipiac most likely. Then after that, another game with Lowell, who's ranked, and another and another game with Merrimack, who's also ranked. So this schedule uh, is, has been brutal the last three weeks, and it does not get any easier. Not at all. I mean, I'm going to be at that UNH game just because I kind of have a, a personal goal where I got to see a UMass W in every Hockey East Arena, and I think they're the only ones that I haven't. Oh, obviously Maine as well, but I've never been there before. That's going to be, I think, towards the end of the season. But yeah, I kind of pray at that point we can get a win in Maine. That'd be pretty freaking cool. But as it stands right now, I'm, I mean, if we, if we play like we've been playing recently, I'm not too hopeful, but yeah, I'm going to be at that UNH game. So hopefully we can, we can see an improvement there, but after that UNH game, and again, like you mentioned, it's a trap game. It's, it's not good. Like Lowell ranked team. They've had our, well, I shouldn't say they've had our number, but every single game that we've played against them has always been super close. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes we come out on the winning end of that, and sometimes we come out on the losing end of that. I think more recently we've come out on the winning end, but again, just recent form dictates we are not in a good spot right now, and teams can take advantage of that. So if if we can have a really big bounce-back game against UNH, I, I think that that puts us in at least a decent spot to make some noise in the friendship for, but coming from, you know, us two, we were being so, you know, praise, you know, highly praiseworthy of the team. And now we're kind of completely done a complete another 180 at this point. You know, it's, it's not looking good. Like we have the possibility of playing a ranked team in our next, you know, four games after that, you know, assuming 
you know, we beat Lowell and then we play Quinnipiac, assuming they beat Dartmouth, you know, like that's kind of a toss up, I guess, depending on which way those things go. But we've already lost to Merrimack once, which isn't great at all. And then, you know, I'm pretty sure Clarkson is like on the cusp of being ranked right now. And either we play Lake Superior State or Wisconsin. Those are still two very solid teams in their own right. So, I mean, it we really don't have a, in my opinion, a almost guaranteed win up until we play against Brown which is in January. That is two months from now, basically. Like, everything that is on the schedule is going to be hotly contested or we're going to be considered the underdog, most likely, which is not how we expected to see the schedule at the beginning of the season when we did our previews. So, it's... it's ner- I'm nervous, man. You know what I mean? Like, if, if we're going to be this streaky of a team, when we started off with, you know, we basically were undefeated in five games, and now we are winless in five games. We're at that 500 mark. We got to figure out which way we want to swing. And I think it starts on, on Friday in the New Hampshire game. And I, I don't want to say it, but I think the result of that is going to dictate which way we go. And if history serves me correct, I'm not feeling too great. You know, I'm obviously hopeful about the, you know, I love the team to, I'm always going to back them. I'm always going to put them in my corner, but if we got to be realistic here, it's going to be a damn tough one. And that's really sad when I'm pretty sure we're going against like the worst team in hockey East right now, statistically, you know, like this, this, I don't, I don't know exactly how the, how the stats are or the standings are shaken out in hockey East right now, but if this could genuinely be like the toilet bowl of, of hockey East right now, like they could be the bottom two teams pitted against each other, like points wise, I have no idea what the actual, like what, what the actual point spread is between teams and hockey. So I'm trying to pull that up right now, but uh, Maine and New Hampshire are the bottom two UMass is, is ahead, but by one point. So, uh, so if Maine gets a result maybe, and they somehow play on like the Thursday, it very well could be the toilet bowl, which that's depressing. Like when we go from being, I think we were the consensus number two or number three team in the preseason polls. It was yeah the number two team, like, it, we're now we're going to be almost second to last that we're just completely flipping everything on its head and it i just man regardless I, I, regardless of uh how umass is doing going into the frozen four that will still be a fun time for you mean you mean friendship four? friendship four. my bad um, that'll still be a fun time for uh fans and players alike uh even if they are doing bad going into it please tune in we have some awesome stuff planned in terms of high character for those two games a lot of content coming out that we think you guys will really enjoy but yeah you uh you said it well the schedule gets really tough uh thinking now we'll jump into do our awards real quick so we can get out of here um the first award that we do is ccc carvel's character and compete award and we just had an over an hour probably of discussion about how poorly they played um but we do have a CCC, and it is going this time to Henry Graham, who came in the third period of game two, and he looked pretty good. Didn't give up a goal, made some nice saves. So uh, good for him to get some time under his belt. It's, it's nice to see. Yeah, I mean, the the circumstances around him going in are obviously not ideal, but he, he he's still rocking the 100% save percentage. It's, it's something, you know what I mean? Like fair play to him. He's, he's gotten a lot of praise recently from the coaching staff for being a competitor and just being an overall really good teammate and really good contributor. And he's doing his thing in net, you know what I mean? Like 
I, I made a joke on Twitter, I think, last night when he went into the game, like, maybe we start him next game and then he starts his, his Richter Award campaign. You know what I mean? Like, that, that'd be pretty damn cool. I mean, it's, that'd be, you know, pretty unlikely in the grand scheme of things. But, yeah, when, when you have the team playing the way that they're playing right now and what's essentially your third-string goalie, at this point, after the recent performances from our other two goalies, who knows who's the third string right now? I genuinely have no idea, but, you know, he's – He's doing his thing and I'm happy for him because usually third string guys are, they don't get a lot of playing time. And when, when he's gotten his playing time, he's, he's looked solid. So fair play to him. Uh, go on to the next award, I guess. Yeah. So the next award that we give is the good try UMass award. Um, somebody we want to see do better in the next outing. And I think it's only fair uh, with the performance this weekend to not single anybody out. Uh, we don't have to, talk about it very much at all but the good try award is going to everybody besides henry graham and i think that's pretty self-explanatory based on how we've talked this, this episode yeah i i don't think we've ever given an award like that and frankly i never thought we'd have to i i didn't think that this was going to be something that bad to where i don't i don't even want to call it a joking award like it sounds like one but like i when we talked about the after the second game you know we we kind of came to that consensus fairly quickly. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was your idea and I wholeheartedly agreed with it. And as much as that pains me to say, but there really was not a bright spot on this team at all. And even if there was not even really sure if it's worth mentioning, just because the, the team has to be better than the sum of its parts. You know what I mean? Like nobody is bigger than the team right now. And the people, I mean, I think the players really need to come together as a team and find a way out of this. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not going to come from individual inspired performances. It's going to be a team effort and it's going to be a bunch of collectively good plays culminating into overall dominance, you know, from the team. And until that happens, man, I have no idea how these awards are going to go like this, this, I never thought we'd get to this point. And that just kind of shows like the straight up danger we're in as a, like this, this is a very, very poor, poor stretch of games for this team. And they just simply got to figure it out. Yeah, not, not much more to say than that. Um, we will now go to our custom awards. We're each going to give one out. Evan, what is your custom award from this weekend? Quick disclaimer, this has nothing to do with really the person that, that I'm giving this to, but more or less just the goal and the overall kind of wordplay associated with it. I'm giving the Piss Missile Award out to Ofco for the Piss Missile. That if we're going to go, you know, like this was kind of just – I think, you know, I don't want to spoil Cam's award, but we're both kind of talking about lights at the end of the tunnel for our, for our, you know, respective experiences this weekend. And for me, I, I loved the fact that we got a, an go clapper, you know, like that's just, it's something that I look forward to. You know, I, we had a couple of those in the previous season that just really got me going because they were coming in at clutch moments. This one didn't, frankly, <laughs> you know, there's really no other way to put that, but I love seeing me a, an off-go clap bomb or a piss missile, as I've been calling them recently. And I'm hoping that they definitely continue, but with better circumstances surrounding it. So I'll, I'll let you go into your custom award, Cam. We'll see what you got in store for us. Yeah, piss missiles obviously have a special place in Evan's heart. Of course. You listen last season. My award is called the Saving Grace Award, and it is going to the Raising Canes at BU. Um, if you've never – this is not an ad – I wish it could be someday, maybe. Yeah, for real. But uh, 
that place is phenomenal. If you if there's an, there's another game at BU this season, so go there before the game. Get yourself some chicken tenders and fries and a cane sauce. It is unrivaled in terms of any food place in the area. I love it. Had it before the game. Um, Evan didn't come. Obviously, I was I was there by myself, just having some some canes before the game. It was my favorite part of the night. So it is. That's why I'm giving it the saving grace award. Uh, maybe maybe we'll see a bunch of you guys there now before the next game at BU come January. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that works out. I mean, this the only thing I can really add is yeah, I'm a big fan of that canes too. That's like literally the only. That's like the main thing that I look forward to whenever I go to Organis. Like, it's a decent enough stadium, which we will get into when we do our arena review, doing a little quick plug for the future because we'll actually have something to not be completely depressed about when we when we do this next podcast, which would be pretty cool. But yeah, no, that's a pretty clutch canes. I know. I think the last time we tried to go there, it was a tough outing because uh, they they gave they had like this whole like thing where like if a, if a sophomore for BU scores or something like that, then everybody gets like an extra tender in their canes. And I'm pretty sure that happened. I think we won that game. If I remember correctly, might've won, might've been a tie. I don't remember oh, I don't the circumstances. Remember. This was all last year, but we, that ended up happening. They had a sophomore that scored and I'm never going to be happy when somebody scores against UMass, but if I get an extra tender in my meal and we're <laughs> up big, I, I think that, I think the goals against average can take a quick hit, you know, on behalf of, you know, my stomach and the things that I'm trying to, I'm trying to eat that night. So <laughs> I mean, a little bit self-centered, a little bit heartless, but yeah, that I, well, so the main point is though, is that when that happened, the, the, the Canes literally closed its doors like five minutes after the game ended. And when we went to go and get food, they were like, nah, sorry, we're closed. Even though they're supposed to be open until like 11 o'clock at night, it was like nine 45. And they said, yeah, we're not dealing with all these people. We don't want their money. So that was a little upsetting to, to say the least. So I still have a bad taste in my mouth with that Canes personally, but the, there, there are also a lot of good taste in my mouth because the food there is really damn good. So I think they it, can get a pass. If it's any consolation, they were open after the game last night. So it seems like they've adjusted what they're doing over there. They, they've definitely figured it out. Now, can yeah. we just let UMass Hockey figure it out and then everybody will be on the same page and I can be a happy person again? <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out when the time gets there. Yeah, we will. Um, I'm just going to run through the out-of-town Hockey East scores and then we will send you guys on your way. So... Friday night, uh, absolute classic of a game between BC and Northeastern at Northeastern. Um, BC was up four to one with nine minutes left, apparently. And Northeastern came back and tied it with a fraction of a second on the clock to, to eke out that tie there. So um, awesome finish. Merrimack beats Maine in North Andover, one nothing. Providence and Yukon tie one to one in Providence. And Vermont beats New Hampshire two to one up in Burlington. We'll take it over to Saturday's games. Uh, another good one between BC and Northeastern BC wins three to two um, at Conti form Providence and Connecticut tie again, six to six. This one was crazy as well. Merrimack beats Maine again, five to three and Vermont beats New Hampshire again, two to one. So uh, pretty much what you'd expect a couple, couple big time games uh friday and saturday in hockey east and we look over to the standings we already mentioned it a little bit yukon's got 20 points already they're out to a really hot start umass uh sitting in ninth place with only four points so they if they even if they want to avoid playing in the opening round of the hockey east tournament they have a long road ahead of them it's going to be a tough hill to climb for sure yeah i mean 
it's just insane to me how quickly things can turn in in terms of hockey's points like again we were thinking it we're not too far off of being the number one ranked you're like the number one kind of preseason poll team you know and now to go into yeah you know if we really don't want to play in that opening round and have to play extra game like that was not something that even crossed our minds three weeks ago mm-hmm. like literally before hockey east you know play even started we were thinking to ourselves yeah, we just came off with some really big wins and we were dominating people. This, this seems good. We're going to be in a good spot. And right as hockey's play starts, it completely and utterly just went to, went, went to shit. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other way to say it. It would just completely just went off the rails. And it's just, it's shocking to me how quickly those things can change. You know what I mean? Like seeing UConn, you said they had what, 20 points already? Mm-hmm. Did they win every single game that they've played so far? Like, what is six one and two on their record? That is well, yeah. So, yeah, wow. They are just they're getting a, a ton of points every game, basically. Yeah. Like they're averaging like I think they've over two one points game, per game. They've only had one game where they didn't get points. That's yeah, that's literally insane. And I think we've only had two games where we've gotten any points at all, mm-hmm. and those were both in the same weekend. And both of those games went to overtime. We have one combined regulation win in terms of points you know what i mean like oh wait no we uh, have uh we have one overtime win two overtime losses yeah so points. yeah exactly four points so that all right can you got me but like you know what i mean it's like it, it's not it's good such, still it's not exactly good. it's such a minor difference like four points against 20 and everybody had i'm pretty sure uconn ranked below us and they're they're doing their thing right now so uh-huh. it's Merrimack yeah. second place with 18 points. Yeah, like part like see, like like when I look at that, again, this is gonna sound like major cope, and it probably is a little bit, but like the the Merrimack series doesn't really leave as bad of a taste in my mouth now that I'm seeing how well Merrimack is playing. Like they're probably gonna be like I think they were ranked 16th this past week or something to that effect. They're gonna move up even even more. You know what I mean? Like they are a very, very solid team right now, and it doesn't make me feel as bad that we had. You know, the fact that we got three points against them in that series, kind of nuts in the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that is a decent takeaway. But the fact that that's 75% of our Hockey East points that we've accumulated so far this season is concerning. So, we, you know, that's, I guess, a, a minor silver lining when it comes to Merrimack. But, yeah, we are we're in danger, simply put. Yeah um that's for sure that is everything i think we wanted to talk about in this episode uh sorry it was a little bit long and we had uh such it was such a downer of an episode we hope we hope this is as low as it goes this season we really do hope to get more positive vibes going get the the song back to start these episodes but yeah if you if you made it this far thanks for listening we'll have our arena review for aganis coming out uh i believe on tuesday and stay plugged into our socials because possibly next week we will have a massive announcement in terms of high character. We'll have to see how everything goes, but just stay, stay tuned. We got something big for you guys coming up. So I'm super um, excited for that. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. We promise. So uh, appreciate all of you guys for listening, even through these tough times and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. I have nothing extra to add because I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> Thank you.